0: Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
1: This episode is powered by denmeditation.com, with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves. Thus, creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Also, just you know, if you guys really like Kelsey at the end of this and want to spend more time with her, we're doing a really cool New Year's retreat with her. More information at the end of the episode. And a fun thing for all of you, we're giving away one of Kelsey's Magic Vibe Spring Box. Just leave us a review, screenshot it, send it to Talks Podcast at denmeditation.com. Also, go to our Instagram to see who you have to follow to make all this happen. I hope you guys love this episode. Welcome to Dentalks, conversations that help you find inspiration through another's journey. This is Tal, and I'm here with Kelsey Patel, one of our amazing instructors at the Den. She does everything from teaching Reiki, certifying Reiki, and Reiki circles, all Reiki, all the time. She has her own private practice as well, and she also used to own her own Pure Bar Studios in L.A. In this episode, we talk about how she gravitated towards meditation and spirituality, actually having horrible back pain when she was like in the total world of politics in D.C., We also cover being instead of doing in order to define your self-worth, and that is not an easy thing to do, how you can know yourself, and also the power of intuition. Kelsey is a beautiful soul, and I promise you just listening to this episode will make you feel good. But also make sure you stay to the end of the podcast, where she does her personal practice, and she's going to guide us through some distance Reiki. So we're here with Kelsey Patel, mm-hmm. one of our amazing instructors who I actually met through the den. Yeah. And she teach she's done everything. I mean, she teaches Reiki, she certifies Reiki, she does Reiki Circle. She had her own private practice, which we'll talk about because today is a big day. You it's actually a big just officially day. closed it. You own Pure Bar Studios. I mean, you do everything. <laughs> I mean, always I mean it's I think one of the reasons you and I connected is because. We're like these weirdly grounded, whirling dervishes. Yes,
2: that's the best. I have, sometimes I've been called the tornado, but I love whirling
1: dervishes. It's the same then. idea. Like, <laughs> how are we like grounded tornadoes? Like, how is that possible? But I do feel like it's a good way to describe both of us. But let's talk about you since this isn't about me.
2: No, but it's equally about you.
1: But like. How do you do it? You do so much. You're one of those people. I mean, you now have a, a subscription box coming out too, yeah. Magic Vibes. I mean, you do everything. So you have so many things happening constantly and stepkids and a husband and your energy is always like amazing. But whenever you're anywhere, you're super present and there. But how have you done a million businesses at the same time, <laughs> grown your spiritual side of you? How how do you do that?
2: Honestly, it's so crazy to hear it. Like when when you say it, I'm always like, "Wow, I do all a, those things. Like, that's amazing. Who is who is that?" that? <laughs> and then I'm like, "Oh shit, it's me." Um, and I don't know tall. I would say, well, first I would say, I really feel and I felt this since I was a very young age. Like I would be on. I grew up in North Dakota and I was raised Catholic, Irish Catholic, and. I would sit on my knees at night in my bedroom and I would pray, pray, pray to God to let me be a servant, just to be, let me be a servant to the world. And it's kind of a weird thing. Like most kids are like, can I have Barbies? Like, can I, and of course I had things I wanted as a child as well. But
1: when you, so when you were raised religiously, like how religious, like were you in? Church
2: every Sunday. I did CCD. I was baptized, confirmed. I mean, I did it all. My grandparents were ushers at the church every Sunday um, on you know, Christmas and Easter were very big celebrations for us. It was not a question of going to Mass. It was a matter of which service would we go to. Um, like we would do dinners at the Mission on Christmas. We would go serve before we had our gifts and stuff at
1: home. So you were raised of someone of service. So Absolutely. That was, but you knew there was something in you already at a young age that knew, but what's my service? Different exactly. Because you're already doing service.
2: I was already doing service, but I really feel like I just, ever since I was little, and it's weird to think about it now because I sort of am still trying to f- see and put the dots together that maybe that's why all these things come through, is I am so focused on the person in front of me and the moment in front of me. And it's not like I walk around every day saying, like, I'm going to be of service and here I am of service. (laughs) Like, I just don't operate that way. But I feel like it must have just been something since I was young that I've always wanted to just, like, be with humans and helping the human experience. Keeping in mind that I went through my slew, my own slew of heavy, heavy shit um in childhood and in my teen years, and, you know, watching um my family and my mom specifically go through being bipolar and going through depression and. I mean, that's heavy shit.
1: So your mom was bipolar.
2: My mom's bipolar and went through depression. I mean, if you saw her now, she's the most, and she always has been the most radiant, loving, generous, incredible human being. But she was going through stuff. And so I feel like as a child, I really saw how intense that is. And, you know, it (laughs) created my own... Codependent issues.
1: <laughs> so how did it manifest for you like as a child? Like what are certain things you remember?
2: I remember always wanting to do things. Like I really found my value in the doing and wanting to try to make my mom happy or make anybody around me happy. I was so focused on people feeling joy, which of course was because there was so much of it I couldn't control in my own home. And now I look at everything that I'm doing and I sort of watch myself do probably too much and realize that it's not always healthy for me. And I'm slowly now starting to see that, which sounds so funny to say as a teacher of all these practices, I'm starting to realize how important it is to just be and to receive my own joy and to not need to do all the time. Cause I so associate doing with my value
1: and your self-worth
2: and my self-worth completely. So,
1: so like as a child, like wanting to keep your mom happy was just how you defined yourself. Yeah.
2: And I believed that by doing like that was the fuel to create this like shiny, bright life. Um, and I, I mean, I had a great childhood. It really wasn't about that, but it was Intense. I mean, I felt and saw a lot of things that were hard, but I also now know that they created this zest inside of me for life and to see how we all have this enormous capacity to not only fill up ourselves, but also help fill up a room and create from a very pure place inside.
1: And so... From a young age, like you were saying, you wanted to help and you wanted to do and you were doing and then you kept doing. But it's interesting. You and I just recently actually had this conversation about self-care. So when do you feel like it's kind of came to the surface for you where you started to realize I'm taking care of everyone? I mean, that's what you do every day between again, you close your private clients. But between private clients or people who are probably reaching out to you all the time, the people you're certifying, the classes you teach your own family, you're always people's emotional rock. even as a friend. I mean, you are for me too. So when did you start to realize and why that Mm -hmm. there needed to be a shift?
2: Well, I started to realize the first, the way I got into even any of this work was because you and I've talked about this. I had excruciating back pain and I was like, you know, chugging Advil and drinking wine at night. I worked in the Senate in Washington, D.C., which let alone is stressful. But I had all this back pain and I never really associated like physical pain with mental emotional well-being like it just did not compute to me that whole mind body spirit thing you don't learn that in CCD <laughs> <laughs>
1: amazing but yeah they talk about amazing. it amazing <laughs>
2: yeah um so that has been a real indicator for me so i have now and i still fumble and fall and fuck up is I sort of go until my body shows me something and that halts me in my tracks. Like recently I had a crazy, in October, I had a crazy rash all over like my tummy and the sides of my body. Oh my God. I'm literally
1: tearing one up now.
2: That's so funny. No, but I know so many people that ended up having a rash and something like physical come out of them in October. And I completely thought I was alone going through this like manifestation of shit and that was how I decided to close my private practice. So all that is to say, I watch my physical body and what I'm being shown. Because I probably am a little bit too much like a mule. Like I just keep going. You're a worker. I'm a worker. And that's one of the qualities I love the most about myself and people from the Midwest is like, <laughs> they just work. And we're proud of working. Um, but I have also really started to take a step back and see the value and importance and necessity of being and remembering that who we are innately, just being here, being in existence, is 100% our value, our worth, our matter, not that doing creates those parts of us.
1: That's interesting. So being comfortable with who you are and doing that and just being within yourself ultimately is the goal versus doing, even though doing for others is an amazing thing, it's like, how do you lose the doing? But then yet you're still going to be a doer.
2: I'm always going to still have this, but the part that I didn't realize, and it feels like these light bulbs just keep happening, even though it's interesting as a teacher. Sometimes I feel like people look at me and think, and people have told me this, even my clients and students and stuff, as if, I have it all together and I'm the first one to be like, dude, I don't
1: know what
2: the (laughs) fuck is going on. Like meaning I'm so a part of the journey and I'm always, but you're hyper
1: aware of the journey too, though. But I think that's part of it. Like you're aware you're on your journey. You don't don't (laughs) pretend that you have it all together. No. So like you do pay attention, like you said, to your physical manifestations or your, what your emotional state at the time. But so when you get to the point of you're like, okay, me being me is okay. Was there a, was there something that pushed you over the edge? Like, was there, like you said, it's a light bulb moment. Was yeah. there a light bulb
2: moment? I feel like, I mean, I honestly, right now I keep being like, geez, I didn't know there was that other light bulb and that's another <laughs> one. Jesus, there's like a thousand lights in this room. Um, and I really mean Jesus, just kidding. Um, is I realized recently that I kept thinking in order to show up into a room and to create these healing experiences, which is what, you know, you know, in my workshops and stuff, I think what I've been started to become recognized for is these really immense healing experiences. And I kept thinking like, okay, what am I going to do? Or how am I going to do it? And I always know that I can never plan a workshop and I never, and you're the owner of the den. And I'm like, should I be telling you Fired. this? I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put in my resignation. Um, is that it's so, it's the beauty of all of this. And I would say this for anybody on their spiritual path and journey is it's ultimately for me, it's been about surrender. Is surrendering that I myself am enough And that me showing up and just being in the presence of my breath and of my heart and of my light, which also has a shadow side and darkness, and we all have it, that that's enough. And I never really was able to compute that, that each of us just by being and being exactly where we are, not needing to pretend to be feeling better or doing better than exactly how we are that's the surrender. And that's actually where, for me, the deepest spiritual moments have come through.
1: Let's chat about that because I agree, but I feel like there's a lot of nuance in there that tell me that you have to chat about because I think one could take that statement. Because mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there is weirdly a lot of work in surrender. And part of what I think you're defining as surrendering is also learning how to be comfortable in who you are and working towards honoring your true self. But that is actually work. Because one of the conversations I have with people a lot is someone could take that statement mm-hmm. and not do shit with their life and sit on a couch and be like, I've been surrendering and nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like that thing of like, I don't get it. I'm waiting. Like, where's my path? Why isn't it happening? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I always, and I do find it's this interesting balance. And what is the balance? I don't have the answer. You might right. have it of that balance of work, actually Mm -hmm. like you are already a worker, you're naturally a worker. So you have that in you, but actually working hard towards things or believing in things you're working towards making things happen, but simultaneously surrendering in the sense of not doing it for a specific reason, not doing it because you want recognition or not doing it because you want to have X amount of money or not doing it. It's about doing it because it's part of your purpose.
2: I was going to say the word that I would say resonates most for me is joy. So when I, I, and that was what I was missing in my sort of algorithm of my day to day and weeks and months and years, I kept wanting to help create joy for others. And I completely had amnesia
1: to 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 me
2: giving myself moments of joy just for me and not because of any other fucking reason than I deserve to feel joy. And I... And I really believe, and I've had a lot of great teachers um, over the years, and I still, let me be very clear, I mean, you and I talk about this, Shelly Chandler, I still am always working and being shown and, and seeking teachers and seeking all this work. I really am a forever student. But I really, I've found that it was about me taking the willingness to show up for myself and to make a choice, right? So surrender, when I say surrender, I don't mean like surrender and lie flat and be like, I want $25,000, so I'm just (laughs) going to lay here until it happens. It's about like, okay, I know I want to receive that, whatever it might be, health, abundance, wealth, love, partnership, job. And I'm also willing to make these choices to be responsible for the feelings and the desires and the innateness that I feel inside. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And
2: that's the difference to me is like, I was not making choices that were in the feeling and sensation of being responsible for my joy, my desires, my needs. And what
1: I think is interesting about it, because inherently the words surrender and like taking action to make choices are opposite they're opposite and yeah. that's why I, that's why I wanted that's to talk about then. it because yeah. that's the balance it's mm-hmm. like within the idea of surrendering and accepting are two very different forceful things happening at the same time which is a fascinating concept which is why we're always struggling and learning how to do it
2: always <laughs> and, yeah. and it's a forever journey it's like you know to believe and what i've found in a lot of my students and in myself and people that i work with is people really want to somehow believe that when I get to this place all gonna be when okay. I do this yes when I've meditated this many times when I've gotten this certification when I've be when I'm working out this many times a week when I'm eating this kind of food then I'll be good and that is sort of the opposite of what I want to preach or teach about to me it's about again your willingness to embrace The bad days and the good days, and the shadow side and the light, and understand and give yourself permission to know that you are exactly where you're meant to be and exactly who you're meant to be. And your value and matter and worth does not shift one single ounce on your shittiest days and on your best days. But the ego, the mind will always tell us,
1: it's
2: so strong, like that my best days is when I'm a good girl and when I'm, when I'm in line and when I'm aligned and when I'm on track and that's good. And when I have a shitty day, somehow I'm not doing as good and I need to blame or shame or guilt myself well, that I haven't done like, enough.
1: What would people do like in weight loss or something like that? Because I that for some reason brought up the idea of like dieting. Like people, it's like you have a good day or you have a horrible day. And then that gets internalized to I hate myself. Yep, I fucked up.
2: And, and- I would say the key component in that whole cycle, because you'll just stay in the cycle, is forgiveness. Because if you want to eat healthy and you want to take care of your body. And then you have a day where you just binge out or something triggers you and you just go down the rabbit hole. And it doesn't matter your weight or your size. It doesn't feel good to anybody to eat that shitty stuff, but I'm pretty sure we've all done it. You know what I mean? And, (laughs) and it is whatever your vice is. It could be smoking. It could be drinking. It could be like sex. I mean, whatever. But what I find fascinating is that It is that cycle where it's like then it happens, then you feel shitty, then you blame and guilt and shame yourself, and then there you are back at the top of the circle. And to me, the one way that you guide yourself out of the cycle is simply by operating, and it's a form of surrender, forgiveness forgiving yourself, having that compassion, just surrendering to the fact that it happened and it's okay. And your value and who you are doesn't change. It's just that your mind wants to tell you that it's
1: changed. Do you talk to yourself a lot?
2: Yeah, I guide myself, I would say. And more, I mean, honestly, this is what's fascinating about all of this is it's such an infinite unending practice. Like the minute I feel like I've sort of swallowed a part of my ego and into my heart some other shit comes up and then I see that or when I'm doing a meditation practice or maybe I'm doing a 30-day type of meditation with myself or Reiki or whatever it is there's just always these new awarenesses and it's incredible
1: so talk to me how you came from the Midwest and then Mm -hmm. ended up in LA with a stop in DC because I find that fascinating (laughs) I remember when I first found out you worked in the Senate, I was like, wait, what? And look, I haven't worked in entertainment. I mean, they're very similar industries. We always talk about that too. It's the politics, literally the politics are very similar. So how did you end up there?
2: So growing up in North Dakota, we, my mom was always really, which is such an amazing quality about her. She was always supportive of very strong females and she herself was, I mean, she has her you know, master's and doctorate and would create like a school for high school teenagers that had dropped out of every high school or gotten kicked out. Like she's a saint in her own right. And we would go around and a friend of my mom's was running for mayor. And I remember being very young and like walking around all the different homes and trailer parks, like passing out these, all of the paraphernalia and all of all of the mailers Um, and I was so proud. I was like, here we are, all these women and very young. And I think that's how it started. And I've always been a really strong personality. (laughs) Very strong. My mom could tell you, my mom and dad could tell you a lot of stories, but so I feel like I just sort of came out of the womb, like ready to like fucking flare up and fight for, for all humans really. Um, any place there was an injustice and I, so when I was in college, I was trying to figure out summer internships. I was living in Spain at the time and I my mom had said, you know, there's you can do internships in the Senate and I was like, "What?" I was getting my degree in international relations. We, and so, did we talk
1: about this? Yeah, we talked about it too. We had I know wine we talked about Spain. Spain. We had wine I we that night. About Spain. I didn't know if we talked about <laughs> IR.
2: Tall, oh, by the way, which I hope you talk about yourself at some point on this podcast because you have an amazing story. Oh, like I can sit with this woman oh, forever gosh, and just, I'm just have a <laughs> glass of rosé and great food. That's for sure. Um, that is for sure. So- we, um, so yeah, the, I ended up applying and by the grace of God, I got in because once I got there, I realized everybody else was an intern through some type of family, family connection. Of course. Like I didn't know that. I am a very
1: naive. Um, that is amazing that you got in. Yeah.
2: And, and in many ways I still am. My husband laughs at me all the time. Um, <laughs> but I got in and I had the most amazing summer in DC. I just felt like I had found my tribe and my rhythm and went back. Uh, my final year of college in Boston and they called me and I was about to move to Mexico city and they called me with a girlfriend and, because we didn't have jobs, and they asked if I would. Not I that
1: you didn't have jobs, you were going to move to Mexico City. And it,
2: we had a hilarious plan. This is what happened. What was when we were the like plan? Twenty-one. I spoke Spanish. She didn't. She got a job. <laughs> I didn't. And we were like, I feel like that's going to work together. That's Somehow, like a really good whole. I think we're pretty great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but why Mexico City?
2: Honestly, I just loved speaking Spanish, and I loved.
1: And you didn't want to move back to Spain, and I didn't,
2: yeah, and I just I didn't want to move back to Spain, and I loved anything international. Like if I could live in another country every year, I'd, I was, be, I was I'd the same be down way. for it. Um, probably not now, but back then, yes. Yeah. Well, there's
1: and, more freedom, less. Yeah. Yeah. Me too.
2: Yeah. I know. I've, maybe someday when we're old, we'll like we'll go back and it. do it again. <laughs> yeah, we'll <live> <laughs> um, so yeah. So I, they called and <laughs> quickly flew me out and i had an interview and he hired me on the spot and i did not know what to do and i was like "You're never like your was, friend? yeah of course oh man, <laughs> it was horrible but i felt i sort of knew in that moment like you can't tell a senator
1: like no. well i guess that sounds really horrible to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no but i know what you mean you felt like but you get one shot at here this he is, i think is probably me what the you're... job
2: in this moment and i really and it was gr- everything everything was there because we had had just a great rapport with the whole office from my internship. And I really admired him and what he was about. And he was chairman of the budget committee, which was super geeky. And that was totally my vibe. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to help change the world. So I worked there for four and a half years. And I got really burnt out. Um, Not just because of that, I was in a shitty relationship and burning the candlestick at both ends because Like I was saying with my doing, I was teaching dance, I was in a dance company, I was bartending, I was babysitting, and I was working in the Senate.
1: Oh, my God. Really just... And you were in a relationship.
2: And I was in a shitty relationship. And I got mono at, like, 26. And that was sort of the kicker where I knew I was not well. I was sick every month. Um, So... A girlfriend of mine called me from New York and said she was moving to L.A. to become an actress, and did I want to go with her? And I was sitting on my ex-boyfriend's couch crying because we had just gotten in some bullshit fight, and he always made me feel really insecure, and I was like, you know what? I'm done, and I said yes, and I went into the office, and by the, again, the grace of God, some CEO of a huge healthcare company was coming in to meet with the senator, and he lived, he is office was based in El Segundo outside of LA. So I waltzed in the office before the Senator got there. And I was like, hi, I'm Kelsey. And I really think you're going to want to hire me because I'm moving to Los Angeles. Like, where did those balls come from? I don't know. And I ended up getting a job with the company. And
1: so how did that meeting with the Senator go though? Like was it was he, horrible. Did he feel like he was stealing
2: his <laughs> He didn't know quite yet, but he, you know, again, cause I was so close with them. He, I had just gotten back from two weeks Vacation in Europe, um, and he said, "He's like, why don't you take another couple weeks off? Like, you know." And him and the chief of staff, everybody was trying to convince me to stay, telling me how vapid LA was and that I'm going to hate I it. I mean, especially for someone da, in da, DC. Da. That's what I mean. Is they yeah. have such strong opinions about California people, and and it was right before Obama got. Elected, so I and they kept saying to me like, "It's going to be an exciting You are time. missing the best time in DC. You haven't been here long enough. Like you don't know. And honestly, Tall, I just I've always followed my intuition, and it was telling me I needed it. was time to go. So let's
1: chat about that because a lot of people have a hard time doing that. I've been yeah, similar. Yeah. I've made a lot of decisions in my life where people would go, "Huh," and they've always been. Perfect for yep. me and worked out really well. But also,
2: have they also been hard? Like my decisions oh, no. have not always made
1: it easy. No, on I mean me. you picking up and moving to yeah. Los Angeles is not an easy decision, yeah. but the fact that you had faith in yourself and you mm-hmm. knew it's what you're supposed to do for some weird reason yeah. makes it easier. Right. But let's chat about that because you're in a pretty amazing job for someone at your age. Clearly they love you, so you had high prospects, they wanted you there when did that thought ever enter your mind? Like, were you even thinking about leaving before that? I know you were tired and you were overworked. Was there part of you that's like, politics aren't for me or just this opportunity for LA popped up. And for some weird reason, everything shifted.
2: I will tell you more than any of that. I knew that, have you ever met somebody and their energy is just so big and I, I hate to use the word, but I'll say it dark that I felt like if I stayed in DC, I would never be able to move on from the relationship that I had with this guy. So it was all
1: about the relationship. It
2: was really, and it, it was like it, I knew in that moment, like I either needed to choose me and I swear I chose me by like the smallest sliver of a thread in a needle, you know, like that was how thin I was still able to connect with the me that knew that I deserved better and that I needed more than that. And I, it's like his energy was just so vast to me in that city that, and I had broken up with him a couple of times.
1: Why'd you keep going back?
2: Because it was just that, that's what I mean is like that energy, like, yeah, that suck. And I, you know, I feel like I knew innately, I knew in myself that if I had stayed, or if if I was going to stay, I knew that I wouldn't be able to like get out of the relationship, or that it would always fuck with me. And so it was sort of out of that; it was like desperate that I knew I needed
1: to leave. And so, tell me about some other times in your life you feel like you followed total. And let's talk about your husband.
2: Oh God, my husband, he's the best. I know,
1: I've never met anyone more in love with their significant other, I love it. Mm. So, but let's talk about it because that was another moment of just total instinct and God.
2: We met through a mutual friend and the day I met my now husband, he was with his kids, he had been divorced and we were meeting through a mutual friend. It wasn't at all a setup or anything. And we had this awesome connection. But what was wild is that night, I had this, like, crazy, like, uncontrollably crying, like, what is life? What is God? What are we all here for? Like, this insane spiritual thing, which, again, this was so many years ago that I couldn't – I didn't know what the fuck was happening. (laughs) I thought it was going crazy. And, again, fast forward, like, we just became friends, and we would hang out as friends. And then years into – a couple years into our relationship – I never associated that the day I met my now husband was the same day that this like meltdown I had of life came through. And what was amazing though, and I don't know how people feel about past lives. I feel like I'm still sort of, I believe in them, but I'm not, I don't like see them and have an association, but I have been told by many different, you know, mediums and psychics and stuff that my husband and I have had past lives together. And it made so much sense to me because how else on the same day that I meet him for the first time in this life, did I have this? And I'm telling you, like I was on my knees, like sobbing, like crazy
1: feeling. And was it a feeling of loss? Was it a feeling of regain? Was it a feeling of... It
2: was a feeling, honestly, it was a feeling of fear. It was like a terrified feeling of what is life? What happens to us when we die? Like, I just like,
0: pew. It's crazy. And Out of it nowhere. lasted for
2: a while. Like, I would then be in the shower at home and just like all of a sudden just sob in my knees. And I was working at a Fortune 500 company at the time, the one that I moved here to do. And I would be in a meeting with people and be like, how the fuck are people talking about projections and strategy and all this bullshit when, like, what is life? <laughs>
1: But so it's funny. So you actually kind of had your bigger spiritual awakening where you made it part of your day to day when you were with your husband. It wasn't yeah. before. Oh my
2: God. Yeah. We met each other and neither one of us were doing, I mean, I was dabbling in yoga. He'd never done yoga and he and I were not at all into meditation or anything. And so it was beautiful because I really went down the path first out of my physical back pain that I was having. And then I really, once I got all like into it- I wanted, you know, which most partners do, like, I was like, come on, babe, you got to come to this meditation class. You got to go to yoga. And he was always so resistant. And then that would piss me off. <laughs> and I was like, we're not going to be able to be together. This is just like, oh, I might as well just cut the cord now because he's not, he's not evolving. He doesn't give a shit about spirituality. I <laughs> up all these like stories. And then a teacher of mine had once said, maybe once you stop caring and start focusing on you, he will then be able to go down his path because his path is not going to be yours. And I was like, all right, fine. And I did. I stopped inviting him to classes and just be like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, do my Reiki class. or I'm going to go to yoga now. And eventually he wanted to start com- coming. And now, He does yoga more than I do. And it pisses me off (laughs) because he can do headstands and shit that I still like struggle
1: with. I love it, though. And
2: we meditate every morning. I mean, we both have our own practice, but he comes to my class at the den. Um, Yeah, it's really amazing.
1: And you guys been together how long now?
2: Ugh, oh, I don't know. Too long. Yeah, I just don't remember dates. Uh, I think we've been together for eight years.
1: I don't remember dates either. Why yeah. is that? I,
2: he gets me gifts on things, and he's like, this is the anniversary of our first kiss. And I'm like, yeah, I, like, completely remembered and just wanted to kiss you instead as their gift. I <laughs>
1: I never remember anything either. I'm the worst.
2: It's horrible. I mean, thank God his birthday's on Christmas Day, because okay. it's hard to forget and Christmas And my husband's a
1: Valentine's Day. Oh, I see. There. Thank God. No,
2: but God did that for us. That's because true. Because I sometimes forget it's my own birthday.
1: It's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. Do you guys celebrate Christmas?
2: We do now. Like, this year, we're going to go to um, North Dakota to celebrate with my whole family. That's nice. Yeah. And then, um, so we do, but it's nice because my family, were big on birthdays, and he really wasn't always. Big into his birthday because it was on Christmas Day, so we make a big celebration for him.
1: And it's gonna be hard to have a birthday on Christmas.
2: I don't think he cares. Mm, Like he's so happy with his life that I don't think
1: he gives a shit. How if you could give like a piece of advice on how to get in touch with your gut or your instinct? Because I mean, I think people struggle with that. It's a scary thing to do. And how do you know when it's actually instinct or not instinct? How do you know if it's just a crazy idea or if that's actually you speaking for yourself?
2: I would say, so how I sort of started is I would give myself this permission to, I would feel things, it sounds so silly, but true to say it over a microphone is (laughs) I would feel moments where I'd be like, turn left. And I'm like, no, my GPS says go straight. And I would feel, and it wasn't like I heard a voice, but it was just this feeling like I feel like I'm supposed to turn left here. It's like all
1: those times where you want to go, I
2: knew it! Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I knew I should have picked D instead of oh, B, and that's I why I got an it. F on my desk. <laughs> um, but I would, and then I, and I wouldn't trust it, and then I'd keep going, and suddenly there was, like, some big roadblock and, like, or, a fucking carnival on Venice Boulevard <laughs> or something just, like, that would completely derail what my GPS was telling me. So when those moments would happen... I would slowly start to say, okay, I don't know where I'm going to get guided, but I'm just going to, for the next 10 minutes, I'm just going to follow where I feel I'm supposed to go. And I would start to do these sort of little exercises, I guess you could call it. Um, Same with my meditation. Nobody ever taught me that you could actually move your body in meditation. And I would meditate at home. And I would notice, and because I've had a lot of stuff, again physically, I was a dancer, so I very much connect kinetically. And is that how you say it, kinetically? I don't yeah, know. I think mm-hmm. so. Okay, is I would sit in a meditation, and suddenly I'd feel this energy to like I'm doing it, and you can't see me at all doing this. <laughs> I would move my it's body. Like a warm, it was yeah, I would feel this like energy <laughs> to move my body, and I noticed how much more. And I was like, is this right? Am I supposed to do this? As if there's a right or wrong way to meditate. And, but I would move my body and sometimes it would freeze me in a position and it would like hold a muscle in a certain way. And then it would guide me. I don't know. It was amazing. And that was part of me. Trusting my intuition is just like
1: that's what you need. Letting myself be guided as if my body already knew how it wanted to heal and move energy. It's funny. I tend to rock a lot when I meditate, which I know people say no. You have to be simply still. I'm like no, but honestly, some of my best meditations, I know, I'll later realize like I've been actually same. Moving. I've been moving
2: the whole time. Yeah, and that's so for me. Just in general with intuition, it's like if you feel that pull that says get off your phone now, like go move your body or go make yourself a tea or call your mom or whoever it is. Do it. I've stopped questioning it. And even now, my husband and I will both, when I'm like, "Mm, I feel like we shouldn't go that way. He's like, okay. Because we've seen how I get these moments of intuition. And I've started to kind of question him too. And I'm like, what are you feeling right now? And he's starting to work What I would call, we all have it, it's just, it's a very atrophied (laughs) muscle that each of us haven't been working. So it's the same way. If you want to work the muscles of your body, you need to work the muscles of your intuition and you have to give yourself that permission to be like, what do I feel called to? What do I feel is best? What do I feel is going to be good for
1: me right now? So it's interesting. You're actually saying you can start this and practice this with small things, like oh, turn yeah. left, turn right, call your mom, stuff like that. Yeah.
2: So that in moments don't when it- Don't email Sandy now. <laughs> email her at 2 p.m. That's this afternoon. not drunk, down But meaning, or even at work, like if you like, just start to tune in and be like, hmm, I don't know how I'm going to get this project done, but intuitively I feel like- I will be okay by 2 p.m. I don't know. Right. Those are just ways that I've started to connect to it.
1: And so then in moments where it's kind of a bigger issue, like for a lot of people like you, like change a job, I'm not happy, I need to leave, or how do I get out of this relationship? How do I trust it? I know nothing else. How do you then conquer fear of an unknown with, like, how do you do the leap Because for a lot of people, they are stuck in like those relationships, like it sounds like you were stuck in, but the idea of the unknown is so much scarier than what they already know or a job, you know, the idea of not making money or making less money or having a different status or it's, they'll stay in something for that reason. So how do you,
2: I would say, I mean, for me, that's really all I can speak to is, I do have, even though there have been many times where it's felt completely gone, I do have an unwavering faith. And I, if anything for people, that would be where I would tell them to start is to learn to develop your relationship with, again, surrender and letting go and that trusting your path is already laid out and waiting for you to receive its abundance, its health, its joy. Um, And I also recognize real shit happens. Like I've had a lot of moments in my own life and I've had a lot of grief and I've had a lot of pain. Um, And it's hard when you're in that to feel sometimes that same unwavering faith.
1: So tell Um, me about a moment for you that was like the most painful that you felt like it was really hard to keep faith.
2: I mean two things I would say both like physical pain I mean there were times where when I was in the midst of my back pain I would question how long I could live with that kind of pain like I just thought I don't know if life is going to be enjoyable if I have this amount of pain and the second time was when a very dear friend of mine was murdered um very tragically and very publicly and those two things were horrible, Um, meaning from a visceral physical sensation of like physical pain and then the grief and heaviness of emotional pain. And I mean, going back like, shit, I don't know what got me through other than letting myself cry, letting myself feel Um, Sometimes I didn't feel because it was too painful to feel it, which is why I would take Advil and drink or why I would, you know, work a shitload so I didn't have to focus on like the loss of my friend. I mean, and that took me probably five and a half years to finally have like a huge breakthrough and breakdown of was afraid to like connect with her and anything. Um, And the physical pain, it just took time. It took time and it took me having enough belief and curiosity that I could heal my emotional pain because I knew I had a lot of that inside that had been bottled up.
1: Do you connect with your friend No.
2: Yeah. In fact, I got a reading um, a couple months ago and her name has five letters and a Y and an A and a, a being came through in this session who they called Sonia. And I knew my friend's name was Jaina. And I just knew that it was her because it was like saying there's nothing you could have done. And she's in a really wonderful place and she knew what her path was going to be and all of this stuff. And because I was I was just I was so heartbroken that I just felt like "You, you how can you ever be okay with this? And I actually am now.
1: I mean, that is a really hard thing because it does, whether you believe in God or spirituality or whatever it is, it just makes you question.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially when it's that, when it was that traumatic, what had happened, it's, you're just like, where, where the fuck is God? You know, that to me was what I was really going through. Even, and even in those moments, I will say, I did still know God
1: was there. I just couldn't. You are just angry. Yeah.
2: I was just, I was just pissed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so so if you have the faith and you hold on to it, know that your path will unravel is what you're saying.
2: And I believe that honestly, and I've been told this as well, so much of the pain that I've gone through just in my relationships and in seeing people and myself go through so much pain, I actually know now that it was all a part of my path to be where I am today and have the compassion and the love and the tenderness for myself and for the human beings that I meet.
1: Well, you understand in a different way and you understand like the complexity of emotion and loss and it's true.
2: We're all going through shit. I mean, it's like at every stage, everyone is in, in my opinion, everyone is in a form of healing. And I know some teachers out there might say like, nobody's broken and there's nothing to heal. I don't believe anybody's broken, but I do believe that we don't always give ourselves permission to heal in moments when they've happened because they might be so intense that to heal to me is to align and to give yourself that space to be and to feel the content and the joy and the trust and the surrender and the support that's always there for you.
1: And what do you, how do you heal if, if you yourself have done the things that like you're disappointed? So it's not even something happening to you. What if you were part of it happening to someone else?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a big one too, is just, I mean, to me, the first word that comes up is forgiveness to also acknowledge that each and every one of us has shadow, has a darkness. And it's not about, changing that darkness into light to somehow, again, like I said earlier, you believe that you can get to this certain place where suddenly like your growth and evolution has stopped. It's the same way that I feel like it's a dangerous path to believe that through meditation and other spiritual practices, that somehow you're going to get to this place where you're all light and you're just right. beaming all light all the time. Each of us will always have addiction, codependency, fear, worry, pain, you know, sacrifice, just all of these different elements. That's what makes us human. And to me, it's about learning to embrace that part of us and love it and allow it to be there. You don't need to give it your attention in every moment and you don't need to believe that is who you are meaning your goodness and the part of you that is the light, but you don't need to also shame it and pretend that somehow you can get rid of it or that it makes you bad.
1: I feel like you and I have had this conversation too. It's it's such a freedom or relief when someone, when you can accept yourself for all facets and they change too. And you're always, like you said, yeah. you're always learning new ones, but you can, you can feel the difference of someone who's struggling to do that because they usually put it on you a little bit too. And when you're able, I think remember we were telling sharing the stories of like, when you know, at a very light version of this, when you know you're the person who always loses your stuff you just own it. And then it becomes like the funny joke about yourself versus someone who beats themselves up for it. Or if you talk too much, interrupt people, like you understand that. Or if you have the tendency to react quickly or get angry, like you understand that so you can work on it. I mean, what, I mean, there's so many things.
2: Of course. Like I know I struggle with patience. Like the people who know me the best are like, oh my God, when I say I want my closet cleaned out, I don't mean like in a week when my friend can come over and help me. I mean like right fucking now. You place. know, when I'm like, babe, we should clean up the house. And he's like, all right, cool. Like, can we get to it later? You know, this week or later tonight? I'm They're like, like well, no. what are you doing right now? Why can't, could you give that away? Could we do it right now? I think we should do it right now. <laughs> and my mind just like fixates on something.
1: Yeah, you're, you're a mule. I am. And
2: I just, and so I know that patience is a thing for me. And, That's been one of my, But again, I believe that we all come in with these beautiful lessons. Of course. And it's usually the thing you don't
1: want to learn the most. Like, I don't want to learn patience. I want shit done. (laughs) Like, I don't have patience to learn patience. Exactly. But it is, But my point is you're not beating yourself. You understand it. Mm-hmm. You understand it's part of you. But it's also what makes you you. It's right. part of the fun of you. It's part of who you it's are. It's like what
2: all my friends love to say, like, oh, my God, I know that I can't ever give you a pair of shoes that takes a
1: while to put on or off. Because it's like, not going to happen. You just won't do it. Right. But then there's people where they can't even admit that about themselves and that tiny little thing, which for us is like, oh, I have trouble patience. Right can become a huge hole for someone of huge course. because then the things that they struggle with patients and the, all the ramifications and of that become control, much bigger issues.
2: Right. It's like how you can, I see so many clients that come to me and they ultimately, whatever their thing is, what the part that's the most, usually the most painful for them is that like you're saying, they're trying to deny it or defend it or, like, not give themselves permission to see the part that's trying to control it so he can keep it. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you can you can let go here. Yeah. You can surrender here. Right. And the
1: monster, it's fine. I have a funny story with this where I think, I might have told you this story, where my, when my husband and I first started fertility treatments and we had a wedding to go to in Santa Barbara. And so all my meds were in the fridge and I knew we, were, we had to start that night. And anyone who's been through this knows the timing of everything is super important and it's a pain in the ass. So... I early on took all the meds out and put it on the counter. And we're, I'm talking hours before yeah. and I had the ice packs. He's like, What are you doing? I'm like, I know me. I'm going to forget it. I forget everything. I'm like, I'm going to forget it. I'll leave it in there and then we'll be in Santa Barbara and it's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. And he's like, Well, just don't forget it. I'm like, <laughs> But I'm going to forget it. I mean, we went back and forth by minutes. He's like, Well, like kind of angry at me almost. He's like, Well, just don't forget it. That's stupid. Like, keep the meds in the fridge where they belong. It's better that way. And don't forget it. I'm like, No, I know it's better in the fridge, but I know myself (laughs) I also know it's better if we actually take them on time and have them there. So I'm going to leave them out. He's like, just don't. I don't get it. It's really simple. Don't forget it. And I was like, okay. And I put them in the fridge. And sure enough, we're driving to Santa Barbara. And thank God we're stuck in so much traffic so we could only get so far because it's Los Angeles. And I was like, oh, shit. He's like, what? Well, I'm like, I forgot. I, for, I forgot the shots. Oh, <laughs> and we went back and I got in the car and I just laughed. And I looked at him and I'm like, I don't know how to explain this to you differently. I know me and I'm, I know I'm going to forget it. And I was taking care of it because I know that about me. That was how I was solving the problem. Yes. And it's not ideal for sure. In a perfect world, I would not forget it. And I could leave it there but that's me and I'm okay with it. So you need to be okay with it. And it was actually like a really big, and I know that sounds so small, but it was this big moment, like for him, because he struggled with that a little bit more. It was like, he just couldn't understand. Well, no, just change that. I'm like, but I can't change it because it's who I am. It's
2: innate. And that's what we all have. And I feel like The more, and I don't hate. I didn't hate myself for it, so therefore I was like, "Let me
1: just work with it. I'm going to work with it now." Don't you see
2: and how relevant that is, especially in relationships too? Like, think about how many times. I mean, for you or for me or anybody, like I know I've had several employees because I've owned a lot of different businesses that probably actually like hate me or despise me. And (laughs) I really don't mean to be like despisable or not.
1: That's why I'm laughing. No,
2: but it's like, but I know that there have been people who like genuinely could not stand me as a boss. And I get it. Like, I don't know if I could stand me if I, I don't know, but it's, Just because we each have these innate parts of us. And I used to sort of then beat myself up about it at night. And I'd be like, oh, shit. Like, I think so-and-so is really annoyed too tough with on me and blah, or- blah, 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 And I got to be, okay, I got to match their personality. And like, I got to speak to them in a light way, blah, blah. And I would try. And then it was just even shittier because it's so not me. And then I would resent the person because I felt like I had to be a different kind of boss, entrepreneur, whatever. And now I've sort of started to, at 36, started to be like, oh, I can be me yeah. and not everybody has to like me. Nope. And I am like, a, okay with that? Because I don't know. I mean, because well, sadly, you re- I like be- everybody, but not everybody likes me. But it's me. <laughs> better for
1: you to like you.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly.
1: Because that's the thing. If you stop liking you because you're behaving a different way, that's when it becomes a and whole And I mess. wasn't
2: liking <laughs> me. I was always looking at what I could do better, what I needed to do more of, what right. I needed. And again, going into the do, 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 do. And that is what has shifted the most for me.
1: And also, right. And also as a boss, to use that example. Yeah, I'm sure there probably were. Same with me. But then the right people fall in your path if yeah. you are being you then the right people who can work with you
2: five years later right it takes time business, I mean I, feel and, like I have and an it's an amazing true. team now but yeah, yeah but they
1: find you because you're giving off exactly who you're going to be so the right energy is going to come their way and
2: I didn't know that right away like I wasn't and to be completely fair I probably wasn't being a thousand percent my true authentic self in the beginning because I was so scared owning a new business and wanting to make it work and wanting everybody
1: to be fucking to happy everyone right da, 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 I do da, that too da. sometimes yeah the people listening probably like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> same thing that you're <laughs> saying. <laughs> I love Doesn't you mean so you don't much. struggle with it. Yeah.
2: It doesn't mean that you're still, that you don't go home. Like, I don't think what people realize when you're an entrepreneur or honestly, even a, a human a doing human anything or a meditation teacher or anything, like, somehow people love to believe that somehow I don't take the same human experiences home with me. Like, I've had countless nights with my husband where he probably wants to put his head in the soup bowl. <laughs> where I just talk, 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 because I'm trying. I can notice myself like trying to process my actions, reactions, interactions. I do the same thing, and I judge. I was I would judge myself, and I would look at how could I do better, and what did I do wrong, and. That was so
1: judgmental. Well, it's funny because you also said entrepreneur, but I think some of it's also, sometimes when you have a strong personality, regardless what area, what you're doing, that happens because people just assume you don't have feelings. Yeah, you're right. They're just like, like, oh, they're an asshole. They're strong. But it's like, no, it doesn't, just because you can act a certain way doesn't mean you don't process how it affected somebody else or feel bad about it. Or or, get your
2: feelings hurt. Or get your feelings hurt as well. I don't think anybody, any of the girls that worked with me at my studio is, I always would be like do they not realize that they very much made me like hurt and what they did hurt me. And like, I would cry about it. And maybe partly too, I don't share that enough with people. So that's also for me to learn about vulnerability, but I, yeah, I would go home so many nights and I would have anxiety and I would just feel so Bad, And I would sit with my husband and be like, okay, here, I'm, I'm going to tell you everything that happened. And now what could I have done better?
1: <laughs> and he's probably like, go to yeah, sleep. Yeah, and he
2: was like, please shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. People don't realize, like everybody has emotion and everyone has layers. And people forget sometimes if you don't show them. Yeah. Just like people who live too sometimes on the sensitive side don't realize how much strength they have.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, with people
1: with all the strength, sometimes people don't realize how sensitive they can be.
2: A thousand percent. <laughs>
1: Hey, if you liked this episode and want to spend more time with Kelsey, we're doing a New Year's Reiki Magic and Manifestation Retreat in Nicaragua, December 28th through January 3rd. For more information, go to denretreats.com. Also, don't forget about that giveaway. If you want one of those Magic Vibes Spring Boxes, you guys, it has everything in it. Crystals, full moon candle, bracelets, incense, ritual cards, so many goodies. All you have to do is leave us a review, screenshot it, send it to Podcast at denmeditation.com. Go to our Instagram, see who else you have to follow to make all of this happen and get yourself a Magic Vibes Box this is kelsey's personal practice some distance reiki
2: wherever you are we're going to close our eyes here and if you have the ability you can allow yourself to join us and we'll take a few deep breaths so inhaling through the root of the body so all the way down below the navel and up through the spine through the crown open your mouth exhale let something go Take that a couple more times. As you continue to breathe, I'd like you to ask yourself in this moment what it would feel like to just surrender. To surrender to the you that is enough to surrender to the being and the life that you have lived thus far, knowing that you have done a lot already, and that there is more to come, but in this moment, just give yourself space and breath and permission to feel the vibration of surrender. You may start to feel some energy coming through as I turn on the energy of distance Reiki. Allow yourself to fill this space of letting go, the surrender, with this healing light, and this vibrational sharing of energy. Allow the whole body, every cell inside to release something with your next exhale. Anything it's been carrying, holding, grieving, believing, any falsities, just let it go. Any pretense. from this place of release. Allow both now your inhale and exhale to fill you up with this space to receive. Follow the inhale of receiving and the exhale to surrender. Remembering that you are seen. You are full of this healing wisdom innate awareness, and the ability and permission to surrender. So you may share in the gifts of peace, of being supported, of love, of abundance, health, happiness, and true, pure joy. Just giving yourself permission, space to feel that. And as we close, Take a moment, just connect and tune in to what would your life look like if you gave yourself this choice and permission to surrender into your expansion right now? What would look different? What's a new choice you might make? It's a new part of your week or routine. To surrender into your expansion. And taking that with you. A Nice deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Remembering and honoring That you are your greatest teacher. You are your greatest client. You are the greatest love inside.
1: Namaste. Dentalks is produced by Michael Burke, Mike Burns, Reem Edon, Nicole Rappi, and music by
0: Alex Fetter.